You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Thank you. It is my complete honor and privilege to get to share the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, my heart loves this community and this church, and this is forever my home and my love here. And so I just want to let you know I don't take serving in this church for granted, but I take it as an honor and a privilege to love you and love our community well. And I hope that reflects that through the way we lead and love here at The Promise. Um, Can everybody say announcements? Sometimes I feel goofy, but the church needs a book of announcements. You know, please open up to your book of announcements. Uh, Hopefully, maybe you would see them daily. I do have a few announcements that I want to share with you this morning before I get into the word because these things um, I'm going to be a part of, but also I want to give you a heads up that they're coming. It's exciting. So ladies gathering is the 29th of August here out in the field. We're going to do picnic style. It's going to be fun. We're going to hang out, play games, have good food. It is for every lady in the church and in the community. So invite your friends, okay? I had people ask, do you need to attend your church to come? Absolutely not. We would love to have you come, hang out with us, and be a part of a lot of fun, okay? So invite someone, the 29th. Uh, Ladies Bible study. We have our Friday morning, which is going awesome and exciting and well. We are going to launch another ladies Bible study called Women at the Well in September. There's going to be more information to come, but I really feel like the Lord gave me this, the title of this group, Women at the Well, because I want this to be a place where women come and draw from the Lord. I have sensed just the power of the cross that's going to be represented in transforming our lives in this Bible study as us women. So I want to encourage you, that's going to be Thursdays from 10 to noon. Child care will be provided. Um, I'm going to be leading this with some other ladies as well. And so if you are available to come, come. And I'm excited to see God transform my life, your life, and our family's lives. Because I know it's going to be awesome and powerful and amazing. And my f- most favorite thing that I love is Promise Kids. Can everybody say Promise Kids? Our Tuesday night Promise Kids group, our midweek service for our kids from the ages of kindergarten to fourth grade. Woo, I just love this. Uh, is going to be launching October 5th. It's going to be every Tuesday from 5.30 to 7 p.m. I love being there, guys. So um, I, I think that I'm silly and goofy enough. Sometimes I even embarrass my own kids. But I think we do a lot of cool things of showing your kids how to love Jesus, what that looks like, and then leading them to encounters with Jesus himself, showing them how to walk in the miraculous Telling them and teaching them how to hear the voice of God, how to prophesy, how to pray for the sick. And one day, not far off, see someone that is dead, raised from the dead in Jesus' name. Come on. I want our Tuesday nights to resemble what happens, the power of God that flows here on a Sunday morning. I don't want it to be any different for our young people in our classrooms on Sunday morning and on Tuesday night. So, promise kids. All right. Whew. That was good. They say in the church that if you want your church body to remember something, at least a little bit of it, you got to say it from the pulpit. So I just had to get that out. This is my opportunity to get it out to you this morning. 
As I was preparing to share, I knew a little uh, way back that I was going to be sharing um, this morning and my heart leapt with joy. I was like, yes, Lord, I'm so honored to be able to do this. And Jonathan asked me, so what are you going to be speaking about? And I was sharing with him and he kind of looked at me and he's like, so you're not going to be talking about parenting or kids or anything like that? And I said, well, no, actually, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, Once I found out that I was going to be sharing, I felt like the Lord woke me up early the next morning and started just giving me a word for our church. And so I just went with that. So when I didn't even think about parenting and kids, and, um, but this all encompasses how we parent in children in this generation. But I thought, well, Lord, should I share something? And as I was preparing for the message, um, he gave me a few tips, two tips, two parenting tips for parents that you're parenting now and those who want to parent down the road, Okay. These are something that the Lord has highlighted for me. I know that they're important of how we parent our girls and how I lead children's ministry here at the church. Number one, don't let the world be the standard or set the standard for your kids' lives. Okay, the world, society does a really good job of saying, hey, at this age, they can watch this movie. They can play this video game. They can have this account. Oh, it's normal to have a cell phone at this age. It's normal to do this and it's normal to do that. But can I just encourage you parents, don't lean on the wisdom of the world. Come on. It says that the enemy is down here roaming to and fro where he can have a place, find a way and an inlet in each one of our lives. That's what his tactic and his disguise is all about, is trying to do that. We can't lean on the world's wisdom. We need to lean on the word of God and the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. It's really easy to be comfortable with society's rules, regulations, and recommendations. Even in the school system, standards. It's, but I know that Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Not because he's trying to be a dictator or a ruler over us, but because he loves us. He wants to see a life of love, of wholeness and passion. And if we're leaning and expecting the world systems to create these standards in our children's lives, we're in trouble because that fruit only leads to death. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. No wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as the angel of light. He parades himself around, trying to look appealing, sound appealing, entice our young ones, and even us. And we have to be on guard as parents. We have to be engaged and alert as parents to recognize these tactics, these things, these moments, these times, the music, the movies, the accounts that your kids have access to, whether that's Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Come on, parents. Jesus isn't in those things. Now, they're not bad things. And believe me, I'm on Facebook. I like to look at Instagram, but don't expect that you shouldn't monitor those things and keep an eye. You should have a relationship with your child. You should know who their friends are, their favorite likes, their dislikes, their wins and their losses in life. You need to know how they deal with their emotions when they come up to situations. Now, do we always have the answers? Absolutely not. But thank you, Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And if we look to him, we look above the circumstance and situations that our kids are dealing with or we're dealing with them in, we can find direction and we can find life in leading and directing our kiddos. Can you guys say amen to that? We have the answer, but don't expect the answer to come from the world. The second point I want to make today for parents, parents to be, is we're called to disciple. We are as parents and to disciple others. The great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Okay, this is what I'm called to. This is what you're called to. This is each person in this room is called to do. People that are in our community, they're called to be walking this way. It's our privilege and honor to help them see Jesus, meet Jesus, and grow a relationship with him. But can I tell you this, parents, please hear my heart. But the first people that you should be making disciples is your children. My heart aches so much when I see a parent and they have an amazing prayer life. They have even a ministry. They're laying their life. They're serving in the church. They're loving others well. But they have no connection with their child. And can I tell you that God created family? It's his idea. God is always family first. And us as parents need to make family first. Training and equipping our children in the ways of God should be first. See, we can pour our lives into a lot of hobbies, uh, activities, sports, careers. We can do that. But our lives should reflect us as parents, leading our kids in encouragement, passion, and the ways of the Lord just as much. See, I think today in society, we expect our youth pastors, our children's pastors, our pastors, our teachers, our coaches to lead and guide and train our kids. But the focus needs to get off of that and back on you. Come on, parents, I love you and I love your kids. I love this community. I love our school districts and the kids that are there in it. And I'm just saying, parents, rise to the occasion. Your first mission is call is to disciple your own children in your home. Pulpit ministry, public ministry, your calling should never be put above or before your children and your family. Amen. I love you, church. I do have a hotline. I know I threw a lot of things out there to you, um, but the, I didn't give you the how-tos or the points because I want to get into the meat of my message, but a hotline number, I want to throw it up there. It's Pastor Aaron's cell phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jonathan actually told me to say that, so. <laughs> this is a church number. Parents, we want to come alongside you and make you the most successful parents you can be. We want to help equip you, uh, train you, show you in the word of God what truth is and what truth can do in your children's life. Direction to how to lead your family and lead your children down the right path towards Jesus and loving others. Okay? So honestly, please call the church. Don't be ashamed. No one's got this perfect, but we're just one trying to pursue a direction to Jesus and all that we do with our families. All righty. Hallelujah. We, um, 
This message this morning I'm going to, to share is three simple words, but they're super impactful and they can save you from harm's way. They can save you from the enemy coming in and trying to lie, steal, kill, and destroy in every area of your life. The title of my message is Stop, Look, and Listen. Stop, look, and listen. Now, you probably have seen this, uh, you know, before you cross railroad traps. Stop, look, and listen. But when I was in preschool here in Woodland, uh, our preschool was over at the Presbyterian Church down in the basement. We had the most amazing preschool teacher. It was just awesome. I mean, like, I remember our class. She was just super happy and kind and loving. And every day there was this kid who didn't want to be there. So he pooped his pants every day. Every day. Because he knew that was a for sure way to get home. Like, no one's going to deal with that except for whoever's going to pick him up. Um, But, you know, man, it stunk the place up. Musty old downstairs Presbyterian church. Uh, But our teacher was not swayed, man. She was ready to teach us and equip us and love us, and she did it amazing. But I will never forget that. The smell. Anyways. Uh, So one day she said, I want to teach you something this morning, and I'm going to show you and demonstrate how we cross a street in the crosswalk. And so we were all down in that basement sitting around in our circle time, And she said, when you approach the street, you come to the crosswalk, the first thing you're going to do is stop. Okay? That means your feet are still, you're stopped. All right. You're going to look both ways. And if nothing's coming, the next thing you do is you listen. And so I find myself, I got saved when I was 12 years old, got saved in a van right at the top of my street on Washington Street here in Woodland. I came to this church. And since that moment on, I find these three words running through my head. Not only when I'm crossing a street, but when I'm approaching decisions, situations, circumstances, when I'm approaching maybe a pain or a hurt that I'm experiencing. These three words, like my preschool teacher taught us, they can save you They can keep you out of harm's way and stop you from getting injured. Now, this morning, I am talking about we stop. See, life's got a lot of distractions, a lot of appealing things, a lot of ambitions, saying you need this, you want this, you should do this, it should look this way. And we can get caught up in the rat race of life. And we end up running out in life in a lot of times. And we start to experience hurts and pains that we should never be experiencing. We start going down paths that we should never have been going down. But if we apply these three simple things of stopping, looking to Jesus, and then listening, guess what? Everything changes. Everything changes. When we position ourselves to stop, look, and listen, direction and life and truth comes. Direction to show us where we're at and where we're going. Life that restores all things made brand new. Every hurt, everything that's broken, everything that's out of place is put into place. And truth that brings freedom to every sin, lie of the enemy, and stronghold. Now, I am just silly enough to believe that the power of the cross can do all of those things. 
in your life and in my life today. Today, I believe that. See, I'm not living a life for Jesus because I think it's, oh, it's okay. It's ho-hum. No, I'm all in. And I say, Jesus, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the name above all names. And everything has to come under your name. Has to submit to your authority and rule and kingdom. But guess what? That doesn't happen unless what? I'm looking to him and I'm listening to him. Because that stinky enemy, he is really stinky and just loves to get in. In every nook and cranny of our lives, in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our finances, in our relationships. And once we just get our eyes off, boom, it could open up a door. And we don't want that. We want him to be the one that we see, that we're looking to, and that we're listening to. I love the story of Mary and Martha. We've shared this story many times um, here at this church because it's so powerful. But these two ladies, they came up to the same situation, but yet had two different responses. This is the way life can be. Some of you may be out here and be like, man, why does my life look like this? And why does their life look like that? This might answer a few questions. In Luke 10, 38, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, come on, Martha, uh, Jesus had to say Martha's name two times. I, I don't want my heart where Jesus has to say my name two times. But he says, Martha, Martha, come on. Throw some parenting up in there. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Hmm, interesting how we can make things difficult. Or indeed, only one, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Wow, now I know for myself, I can be a Martha sometimes. I get caught up in the preparations. Like, I want to make sure I'm planned and prepped and prepared, so she gets a bad rap, but I understand that heart. But in this situation, Mary saw Jesus. She, she stopped and saw him. She looked to him, and then she just came and sat at his feet. That produced peace in her life. It produced the life and contentment. Whoa. Now Martha saw Jesus coming and she freaked out. Like, oh my word, clean up the house. Make some sandwiches. And then she has enough nerve to look to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, like, what's the deal? Tell her to come and help me. And he's like, whoa, Martha, Martha. No, that's not to be happening today. Like, you're missing it. You are missing it right now, Martha. See, what Mary's doing is all that's needed. Is all that's needed. Wow. I know it's easy to get caught up in work, in life, in bills, in decisions for your kids, in direction for where you feel God's calling you to go and, and do and be. Don't get caught up in those things. Don't get caught up in all the preparations 
But find yourself at the feet of Jesus listening. Don't worry, he will take care of it. Believe me, I'm all about being responsible and doing your job and doing it well unto the Lord. See, I want my life to be worthy of the calling of Jesus. This is the word. I want to honor it in all the things that I do. I want my life to be desirable to all because Jesus is my life. I want to turn to Zacchaeus in Luke 38. Because I feel like when we look at this story of Zacchaeus this morning, he does a great job of stopping, realizing what was going on around him, and then looking to Jesus, and then amazing things happened as he listened to Jesus. Luke 10, 38 says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. Am I reading? I'm reading the wrong story here. We need to go to Zacchaeus. Hello. (laughs) Wow. Just kidding. Jumping ahead of my notes here. Where are we at here? Yeah, just, just work with me here. Just work with me. Okay. Oh, yeah. Luke 19, 1 through 3. We're going to read this first. Okay. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. Now, back in the day, he was not liked, but he had money. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. Okay, the guy had some problems because he was short in stature. That's, like, not his fault, right? Like, that was just a physical thing. Like, that's a bummer. But he found himself in the crowd, and his heart desire was to see Jesus. I think when he looked up, he realized all he was seeing was the backsides of people. Like, what a bummer. He was probably right at their armpit level and smelling some nasty pit odor. Like, it was really the pits. And I think that's where the saying came came from. Sorry, I just had to play with that a little bit. But Zacchaeus found himself really in a spot he knew that he wasn't going to be able to get his heart's desire. And his heart's desire was to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus, he's a wealthy man. He literally could have paid someone a lot of money and said, hey, put me up on your shoulders. Right? He could have maybe uh, paid someone to build him something so he could be elevated above the crowd. He could have looked to a lot of things and people to help him see Jesus. Come on, Christians. Come on. But this is what he did. He realized, like, this being here, I'm, I'm only going to maybe see a glimpse of Jesus or not see him at all. So let's read on. In verse 4, it said, So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he, Jesus, was going to pass that way. Come on. Zacchaeus got himself up out that crowd. Come on. Backsides were not appealing. Odor was not good. And he said, I'm going to run ahead of this crowd. And as he did, he looked up and saw this tree and said, that's where I'm going to be. I find it interesting that Zacchaeus ends up running to a tree because this is exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He ran to a tree on Calvary 
to pay a price in humility and total surrender of his life to his father and to you and I. And Zacchaeus is running to this tree, a tree of humility and honestly salvation for him. He ran ahead of the crowd. It wasn't just like, oh, I'll just try to get around him. I'll just try to like maneuver. Like, how can I? No, he ran ahead. You have a rich man running in a crowd and now climbing a tree. Place of humility. I also find it interesting that as climbing trees is really childlike, right? Yeah. And in Matthew 19, 15, it says, Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Climbing a tree represents childlike faith, childish activity. But Zacchaeus didn't care. He's like, this is what I want. This is what I need. I can't just be satisfied with seeing a glimpse of Jesus or allowing circumstances or situations around me that are going on to stop me from this opportunity. In verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, man, I'm sure Zacchaeus' heart was like pounding. Here Zacchaeus is in the tree and here Jesus is. I can't even imagine. This would be crazy. Jesus looks up and sees him and says to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down here. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and Jesus received him joyfully. Man, here we have Zacchaeus up in that tree. I'm wondering if he was thinking like, should I hoot and holler to try to get Jesus's attention? Like, Jesus. I mean, he didn't only want Jesus to see him, but he wanted to see Jesus. Was, he was up in that tree saying, here I am. Here I am. Just as Jesus put himself up on the cross, there's nothing blocking that view. Here Jesus was. And Zacchaeus saying, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And the Lord turns and looks and says, Jack, Zacchaeus, whew, come down from that tree. Make haste. Get over here. I want to come to your house this morning. And Jesus received him joyfully. And Zacchaeus, I'm sure, was just astonished and, and really stoked. In verse 7, but when they saw it, the crowd, and we're referencing, they all complained, saying, he is gone to be with a guest. Who is a sinner? Now, isn't it interesting? Let's go back to the crowd that Zacchaeus was in. See, that crowd was all there to see Jesus too, right? They wanted to see him. But the moment Jesus shows up and does something unexpectedly or different, the crowd starts throwing accusations. Wow. This is powerful. Church, let our response not be that when Jesus shows up and does something a little different than what we're used to or what we've grown up with. Now, obviously, we wanted to line up with the word of God and its fruit to be healthy and whole. But at the same time, don't be the crowd throwing accusations about the way Jesus is bringing life and love to our community in this church in your life, and in my life. This is powerful in, in verse, um, let's see. I love, well, let me go to this. I love Zacchaeus' response as the, the crowd is throwing accusations and saying, Jesus, you know, what are you doing? 
This is wrong. He's a sinner. And Zacchaeus's response is not to the crowd, but it's literally to Jesus. And I feel like as Christians in the world today, the world wants us to respond to them. They really do. They want to get our goat. They want to get us going. They want to see us fired up, riled up, because they want their way. But Zacchaeus turns to Jesus, and he responds to Jesus, not the crowd. And in verse 8, it says then, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I gave half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus responds in humility and restoration in this moment. He didn't try to, you know, excuse himself to the crowd and why Jesus should be with him. But he turned to Jesus and responded to him. And then in verse 9, and Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham, referencing Zacchaeus. And for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, which means misplaced. It's very interesting that Jesus comes to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus really stopped in the moment where he could have made a lot of other things happen, but he didn't. And he ran to humility, and he ran to salvation, and climbed into a tree, and then he looked at Jesus. And as Jesus looks at him, Jesus speaks to him. Zacchaeus listens, and salvation comes to his house. Now, this word salvation means deliverance. It means freedom. It means strength and power. That's what came to Zacchaeus. And we're not just referencing his home, his physical home, but we're talking about this home, his heart. If I could have the band come on up, that would be awesome. See, every day we have the privilege and honor to wake up, to stop all the busyness of life, to look to Jesus and listen. I think a lot of us, myself included, can rely upon the Lord's audible voice just, you know, speaking for us or just natural circumstances just working themselves out. But I think if we're going to be a church that sees a city saved and lives transformed and nations won, we can't just expect things to happen. We've got to be aware. The only way we're aware is actually when we stop, we look to Jesus, and we listen. Because the power of truth can come in that moment, in that time, and it changes everything just like that. If you don't mind standing to your feet with me this morning. I want us to give uh, an opportunity. And I really want the Holy Spirit just to come and kind of just crack open our chests this morning. I know even as I was preparing this message, I, I felt like the Lord was just speaking things to me like, Melissa, well, you're okay in that area of your life, but why? 
Why has that become normal? Why hasn't my normal become your normal? And that hits you hard because like, Jesus, yes, yes. I want to see heaven come down here on earth and I want to be a vessel used. But when I'm caught up in everything else but him, that's not going to happen. And I believe in even now as I'm, I'm sharing, I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is just going to bring things to your attention. And we're just giving an opportunity for the Holy Spirit. We're going to just stop. We're going to focus on him, all distractions, concerns, decisions that we have to make. All of it aside. And listen. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come in this moment. Lord, you come in the waiting. You're the still small voice that can change everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for life and truth and power of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. If you feel like you're saying, hey, I'm that person in the crowd this morning, like I've got caught up in a lot of things, distractions, and not all of them are even bad. But I've got caught up so much that I've taken my eyes off the Lord. And really his voice is very faint. I would like you to come forward this morning Come to the altar, just like Zacchaeus ran to the tree of humility and salvation and said, Lord, nothing less but you. Nothing less than you, Jesus. Doesn't matter the accusations of the crowd. You are my single focus. You are my one desire. You are my one thing. Let me give you some examples. If you find yourself running into the same sin, the same circumstances, situations, you have a mindset saying, ah, nothing ever good happens to me. That's just my luck. Those are all lies. You find yourself struggling financially. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You find that just things around you seem to go wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I believe that the power of Jesus is here this morning to take those things, shift them, change them, destroy them, or make them new. If you have pains and hurts that you're dealing with that you just can't shake, doesn't seem like you've rent to the Lord over and over and said, God, you know, I want to give this to you, but it keeps coming back. This morning, the altar is open. And I know that the power of the cross is available for you and I. So if I was you, I would come to the front.
what do you have to lose? Pain, hurt? Yeah, I would say take it. Take it, Jesus. Because all he does is fill you up with life and life more abundantly. All he does is take the brokenness and make things brand new. I would like us just to go into a time of worship. I mean, I'm amazed at this group. Like no one is saying, hey, I'm here. I need freedom. I want to get, stop circling the mountain in my life that I keep circling. Like he wants to destroy, obliterate the mountains in our lives that we keep circling. Here's your opportunity to stop. Look to him this morning and listen. There's power. There's power in his words. There's life in his words. So if that's you and we're worshiping and you feel more comfortable coming forward, let me tell you, Zacchaeus didn't feel comfortable probably running to that tree, folks. He probably didn't. But he knew what he wanted. Don't settle. Don't settle. You deserve the praise. Oh. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. 